Hello and welcome to the RevOps Show. Did you miss us? Because we missed you. This past month has been crazy to say the least. Things have been super busy and recording has been tough either from power outages or life happenings. But we're back at it again today talking about people in the world of RevOps. People matter, so let's find out how we can unlock their genius. Yes! Doug. How are your dongles doing? <laughs> great now. My dongles are doing great now. There's nothing worse than having a dongle problem. That's what, there, I, that's what I say. I agree. Wow, we're starting this off with like zero to context for the listener. Isn't that how we start all of our shows? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the famous Jay-Z song, I Got 99 Problems, But the Bitch Ain't One, is actually referring to dongles. Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it was about dongles. Wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's a, it's it's not a well known thing. It's a, you have to you have to be you know in 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 the inside in the inside uh, gang to understand all that. All right, Jess, we're doing like like this is a crazy this is a crazy episode. Crazy. It is. We're doing it like on a Monday evening. <laughs> we're doing all, yeah. No kidding. Who knows where this is going to go? I don't. This could, this could, this episode could easily go off the tracks. I think it started off the tracks. So that, that would be implying that it, that it started on the tracks. Well, we had the opening after we edited, after we re-edited the first opening, we had the opening. It started off, it started off normal. Okay. And then just downhill from there. It's been pretty much downhill from there. Yeah. So, uh, so, so just like any other episode. This is what you get for recording on a Monday. Yep. Yep. I thought Fridays were, were bad, but apparently Mondays are worse. No, Fridays just don't have any focus. Fridays were our fil- my, our, our, and by our, I mean, my filters are non-existent. Monday is, is, I mean, we, I mean, a lot of people probably don't know this. We should tell them this is not actually Monday for us. This is first Tuesday. Yeah. Cause we don't have Mondays anymore. So, several we, years we got, ago. We, we, we got rid of Mondays four years ago. You know, people say the definition of insanity is to do the same thing again and again and expect a different result. We had had some bad consecutive Mondays. And so, you know, one of my favorite um, statements is, you know, make an adjustment. And so you know, what? Mondays have not been nearly as bad as they were since we got rid it of It worked. Them. That's right. Yeah. It, it worked. People Mindset thought I was change. crazy. Now, you know what would really help? A pause button. Exactly. Exactly. When I get the time, right. I'll work on that. You know what help give you the time? <laughs> a pause button. <laughs> a pause button. Yep. All right. So you picked the topic. Oh, wait, one for more today. thing. One oh. more thing. Okay. We get to see like your real. I know my real backgrounds. My real, real backgrounds. Background. I don't have my green screen up. I got tired of the. Oh, I see the, the Elmer's glue. Strobing. I just saw the Elmer's glue. Yeah, I know. I know. I realized my kids left the glue there behind me. <laughs> it's kind of like, now that's what everybody gets to focus on. Well, you know, if it were December, that would be where the elf on the shelf is, right? That'd be that nice would be where the elf, the, elf on, the, the elf was, was it, 
it was back here a few times during during Christmas time. Yep. Unlike the the mensch on a bench. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or Snoop on a stoop. Snoop on a stoop. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How did Snoop become so mainstream? Do you ever stop and wonder how that happened? Martha Stewart. It was all Martha Stewart. She definitely, she definitely accelerated it. No question. But yeah. Yeah. I think there's a guy who realized, wait a second, this may be true, but what good is it doing? me? Exactly. No, my, my favorite part of the Olympics, this last Olympics was the commentary by Snoop and Kevin Hart. Huh? Go look it up on YouTube. It's worth, it's worth your time. I'll have to check that out. Artie, what are we talking about, Jess? Uh, we are talking about the role of people in a RevOps world. This was your topic. I thought, I thought all topics were our topics. I thought we were a team. They, 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 we are. We are. But you're the one that prompted this one today. Yeah. So I was speaking to a CEO group um, about the revenue acceleration framework, which um, really gets into what I like to refer to. I mean, it gets into how we define strategic RevOps and, and really a lot into what, what I like to think of as, as a RevOps mindset. You know, RevOps really isn't a thing. It's, it's a way of life, Jess. That's how I think of it. It's, it's a worldview. <laughs> um, and, and you know, and if anyone's listened to more than three episodes, they probably know that I'm a big, big fan of structure and a big fan of process. Though I think most process that we see implemented is bad process. And by the way, I think far too much of what we do is the result of addressing bad process. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably something we should maybe talk about. It might fit in today. But um, as as I was talking about, you know, so so for those of you that that aren't aware, and and, and um, in the show notes, we'll have the revenue acceleration framework. Grab the visual so you can see it. There's a chasm between strategy and execution from a revenue acceleration from a revenue growth standpoint. The the framework is go to market strategy, which drives structure. Structure drives approach. Approach drives execution. Structure and approach. So structure is the design of the grand system that you're in. So your system design, the tools that you use, the technology that you use, the scoreboard. The approach is your playbooks, your processes, and your methodologies. Yep. Um, Those two segments together are the bastion of RevOps. That is what RevOps is about. RevOps really is about the bridge from strategy to execution and back. Um, so that's kind of the underlying um, aspect of that. And, and, and I will acknowledge that one of the things when you, when you introduce, when you teach, when you frame the framework, that at first glance um, is, feels like a really big task, feels really big, feels really hard is, is developing and, and, building the structure and systems and processes, et cetera. Um, It feels really complicated until you realize that you're not really creating anything new. You're, you're replacing what exists. So it's not like you're creating a structure. You have a structure. It's not like you're creating playbooks. You have playbooks. It's just a question of, are they purposeful, et cetera. And so someone asked a a very, you know, it's a question that I, that I know people think, but not a lot of people ask. and, And it was, well, the, the CEO asked, well, what, what if you hire 
A players. You know, the kind of people that can succeed even when there isn't defined process that's there. When you've got a team like that, do you still need to build the same level of structure and process? Um, and so when you're focusing on structure and process or structure and process, as our friends up north um, would like to say, what what is the role of people? So that was the question that was asked. So I'll let okay, you so kind of dig into it and take me in. So what, so what, what is the role of people? Like, how did you, how did you respond to that? To quote the great philosophical group, Depeche Mode, people are people. So why wow. should it be? Thank um, you. <laughs> so people matter. People matter. Okay. Wow. That's wow. Thanks. <laughs> So, I mean, if I answered the whole question right away, that would be the end of the episode. Jess. No, I know. I understand. I understand. The, you got to, you got to. our producer is saying stretch, stretch, stretch. <laughs> well, so, so let's, let's unpack the question a little bit then. Let me approach it a different way. So they, they said, if I had a group of all A players, right, that's, mm -hmm. that's, so is that, so first of all, is that what you would want? Would you want a group of all A players? Let's start there. How how much of a soapbox do you want me on? How much of a rant rabbit hole do you want me to go down? Let's do it. Let's, let's fully get on our soapbox. So I think that you can't even ask the question, do we want it? Because, well, there's two parts to this. Number one, the whole thing, and I'll get to this later. The whole thing about a players is a myth. This whole a player thing is a myth. Okay. Um, but, but let's say that I'm wrong. Let's say it's not a myth. The definition of an a player and the term a player was, um, was coined by the smarts and it was okay. popularized in their book top group. And the definition of a player is top 10% of people capable of doing the job. Okay. So, so in fairness, an a player is even by, you know, by the proponents of a players, an a player is, um, relational. So, or, or is relative, I'm sorry, is relative. But if you look at the definition, top 10% of people capable of doing the job, what it means is, 10% of people are A players. Right. Um, now, by the way, where A players got really, um, I don't know that it was called A players, but, but where that methodology, where that idea, where that framework came from, came from uh, Microsoft's and GE's forced ranking. So Microsoft did this, Jack Welch made it famous. Of Every year at all times, you're, you're taking all of your people and you're putting them into three groups. Your top 10%, the middle 70, and the bottom 20. And, and one person brought up the example of, I like to treat my people like I treat my clothes. Every year, my, my goal is to top grade my closet. Every year, I try to get rid of my, you know, the 20% oldest or most out-of-date clothes and upgrade it with new. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm glad to think of, that you think of your people that way. But, but there was this whole idea that, you know, the way you raise your organization is if you're always, I mean, so a top grading is you're moving B players to a players and right. Right. The bottom group was quote unquote C players. So you're replacing them. It was this idea that you were building this meritocracy. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but here's the fundamental problem with it. So the fundamental problem of anything that, that, that says there's X percent is you've just built scarcity. What do you mean by that? Well, how many people can be in the top 10%? Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Only okay. 10%. So you've now, okay. 
you've now limited yourself is what you're saying. Right. Now, now theoretically I could have, you know, more than 10% of my staff could be in the top 10% because mm-hmm. I have a disproportionate share of, but you're still, you're, you're, you're still inherently building. And the way you're going to look at it internally is you're going to, sure. you're, you're, you're still going to, you're going to separate. And by the way, um, GE and Microsoft have gotten rid of force ranking because what happens yeah. is you build internal competition. Everyone's trying to, you know, on, and, and by the way, you're not building internal competition. Like, wow, steel, sharp and steel. I'm going to be right. better than you. It's, it's a lot easier just to undercut you. Um, sure. You know, and, 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 and so that, that's part of what, you know, that's all that, that all comes from this, a player top grading philosophy. Okay. Um, but, but a, you, you can't, so, so, so you can't scale a team based on the idea, or you can't scale an organization based on the idea that you're only getting the top 10% of people capable of doing the job. Okay. Um, B, take a look at, I mean, if, if this were going to work anywhere, mm-hmm. it would work in sports. Yeah. It, it, it would work in theater, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. If everybody on the stage is, is the star. Right. Like the star needs the spotlight. By the way, that, you know, you and I have talked about this just personally. You know, one of, one of the brilliances of, of Lin-Manuel Miranda is how comfortable he is in the spotlight, but also not being in the spotlight and, and, and to sure. have invented Hamilton and to have seated the role. And, and everyone agrees, like he would, he would not have been the right person. But you know what? If you had another, um, oh my God, I'm going blank on who played Hamilton in, um, who was the, who was the first Hamilton who played the role? Well, Lin-Manuel Miranda played. No, I'm sorry. That's right. He was Hamilton. He was going to be. um, He seated Aaron Burr, which was Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Which was who? Odom, right. Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Right. So, so what if you had two Leslie Odom Juniors? I don't think it would have played as well. No, no. You know, the, the, the New York Yankees, when it was high, like how often does the highest payroll team win, win the league? No, no, you have, you have role players, you have support. There's, there's yep. things that need to happen. So A, the idea that you can do it is off. B, should you want it? Um, I'm sorry, the myth. We already talked about that. We just did, should you want it? This is what happens when we do Monday evenings, Jess. So, so here's the myth. The myth is that someone, this person is an A player and this person is not mm-hmm. an A player. Mm-hmm. Am I an A player? No, no, Jessica, am I an A player? You, you, you are, you are, Doug. <laughs> um, this is where I, you know, my favorite question I'll ask you. Let's see if you, um, who's the greatest football player of all time? <laughs> well, Tom, Tom Brady is what everybody, yeah. Tom well, Brady. who do you think? <laughs> um, I know so you I'm partial because to- you're not a two, you're not a Tom Brady fan. So, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, fan, so there's that. I mean Peyton Manning. So I, I, Manning? I love Peyton okay. Manning. Yeah, yeah. What if you're looking for a left tackle? <laughs> yeah, no, I got what you. If you're, what if you're, um, what if you're running an option offense? Yep. Right? So the idea that I'm, I'm an A player, I'm not an A player. I'm an A player in certain situations. I'm not an A player in other situations. Right. And, and by the way, that's not to say that I'm an A player as a sales rep and and not an A player as an accountant. I'm an A player in in a certain environment, but I, you know, in within the same company, if you start bringing 
Like I'm an A player in sales. When yeah. when freedom is 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 big. I'm not an A player when we're worried about things and we need to know everything yeah. that's going on. Because by the way, you start trying to track on me, you put me in that system, I'll start sabotaging that system. Right. Well, I think what's interesting about your definition that, that I hadn't thought of is, is capable of doing the job. So they, that cap, they're capable of it, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're operating at that level all the time. Well, yeah. So, so that, 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 that definition would be um, interviewing. So when you're, when you're trying to bring somebody, right. when you're defining the pool. Right. So, so they don't mean it in the sense that you're capable, like you're a potential A player. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, so in an organization, if you're not performing like a top ten, like a top ten percent player, then you mm-hmm. would not be in a player in in their scheme. Gotcha, gotcha. But you know, Simon Sinek has a great piece on this about a guy that he met who was um, when he stayed at Four Seasons, who was serving coffee, and he also worked at a casino, and just how this person was completely different in their own explanation yeah. in the two different places. Is that person an A player? He's an A player in a certain environment, right? Um. Let's say you could, let's say A players exist. And again, they don't. And, and by the way, when I say they don't, I mean, you know, <clears throat> we're, we're a, a mutual of Omaha special. Anybody under about 50 years old, look up mutual Omaha wild king special. <laughs> we're out in the wilderness. We're here on the jungle. Look, there's an A player. Let's, let's yeah. look at A players in their habitat. Um, you know, Peter Drucker said it, 50, 60 years ago, you can't scale genius. Yeah. Right. So, so the, the, the A player mythology, and and by the way, I am somebody that can succeed where there is no process. Mm -hmm. Right. And and there are other people that can succeed where there is no process, where there is no real defined system. Do you know how they succeed? Do you know what makes them able to succeed in those environments? What? They, they, have either already created or they create their own system and process. Oh, okay. they're not, yeah. they're not successful with no system and no process. Yeah. They just okay. Come yeah. In and they don't let the lack, the, Oh, no process here. No, no system here. I'll, they don't let lack I, process I create my stop own. them. I just create my yeah. own. Right. They don't even sure. necessarily know that, that that's what they're doing. Right. Um, right. And, and that can work when you're really small. That can work mm-hmm. when you're, and, and you know what? It can, it can cover your ass sometimes. Yep. Right. Um, yep. But you're not going to scale with it. And, and and by the way, if I bring in a bunch of top performers mm-hmm. who have the ability to figure out themselves, you know what I'm going to, you know, you know what we call that in an organization? Chaos and anarchy. Cause they're all creating their own processes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. They're all doing it kind of their way there. Now, Think about this. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't a playbook, if the yep. team didn't have a system, yep. would Peyton Manning have been a good quarterback? No. Yeah, he would have. He would have been a good quarterback. He wouldn't have been a great quarterback, though. But he would have <laughs> been a good quarterback. I mean, would, yeah. would, would, like if Peyton Manning had done the old, okay, took his hand out in the huddle and say, okay, you go down there and then cut right. You see see the person in the blue shirt, you uh, button hook there. Um he, he he would have been good at that. Yeah. I bet you he was pretty good playing backyard football. Probably. But why would you pay him $18 million to do that? By the way, would Peyton Manning be in, in, in his prime? Would Peyton Manning have been 
a good option quarterback, he would have been okay. But why would you put him in that system? Right. 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 And and so here's where the bigger thing comes. If you're going to go, if you're talking about someone who who fits what people intend, what I believe they intend to talk about when they talk about great people. Mm-hmm. The, is it fair to say those people are in demand? Would you, would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Would it, would, would it be fair to say that those people are probably relatively expensive? Yes. Would it? So, so my question is, if you had that person, mm-hmm. why would you want them using up their brain power and their caloric capability, making their own system and structure. Now I realize for a period of time when it's early and young, maybe that's what they need to do. Right. But are you getting the juice for the squeeze with them? No. And this is what, what I'm saying is I'm going to hire the, I'm going to find the best people, right? The people who can make up ground and I'm going to put them in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> now here's the next thing. What if, what if I were in the market? Mm-hmm. What if you were in the market? Let, let, let's just say that, that, that for whatever reason, so we just sold Lyft for just an insane amount of money. I mean, basically call me Kendall. <laughs> um, for all our succession fans. Exactly. So, so Does that make me whatever, shiv? Because I'll take it. Oh, you're not my sister, technically. But well, no. Sure. Maybe it makes you, does it make you Jerry? Oh! No. Um, no, it doesn't. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, we digress. So, so for whatever reason, you're now, you're now on the job market. Right? So you're, you're looking at something. Mm-hmm. You're interviewing with people. Am I right that one of the first things you'd be digging into is tell me about your systems, your structure, your processes? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. To, or, and, and for you, you would probably be okay. You know, the, the gaps being there would probably not be a problem for you. Cause you, that actually, yep. would be, that, that would be what you'd want to do. Right. But how serious would you want to make sure that company is about addressing those things for you to consider taking the job? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, to be able to get the best people, A, why would you not put the best people in a position where they can best utilize their talents? Yep. Yep. Tony Dungy didn't ask Peyton Manning to put the system together, to put the playbook together. Right. Bill Belichick didn't ask Tom Brady to do that. Bill Belichick had right. a system and put the right person in the system. So, yep. so why would you do that? And, and then further, and, and, and interestingly, when Tom Brady left New England, and as much of a point of view and as overly confident as he might be, where did he go? We went to Tampa Bay. Right. Who, who brought him there? Bruce Arians. What is Bruce Arians known for? He's known to be one of the best offensive minds in the history of football. He didn't go to find, oh, let's, let, let, you know, let's go somewhere where they don't know anything about offense. So if you want to get the best and you don't have a system and structure, I've got news for you. A, they're not going to perform the best. Right. And B, they're probably not going to come. It, right. it, it is literally like a scene, not safe for work from 
but my favorite scene from Silicon Valley where Richard is um, arguing with Jack Barker and he says, well, since you, you know, you keep telling me we got the best salespeople since they're the best salespeople. Don't you think they could sell the harder stuff? And yeah. Jack goes, oh, no, 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 no. The only way you can get the best salespeople is if you got the easy stuff to sell. Because if you don't have the easy stuff to sell, then they're going to go somewhere that, that has that. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And if you don't have the best people, then you have to make it easy to sell because they can't sell it if it's not easy, right? So so here's where people, so, so to kind of circle back to your your fundamental question of where do people fall in a RevOps, um, in a RevOps mind, people get, and especially on the revenue side, mm-hmm. people get far, far too much credit when things go well and far, far too much blame when they go badly. Yep. Do people matter? Yeah, people matter. People matter. And and by the way, I think in a lot of ways, actually, this is an interesting, I'm, I'm really thinking about this fully now. Here's the counterintuitive piece. People matter more as the system and structure, as, as they do less around the system and structure. So here's what I mean by this. As we move to this whole potential vision of AI mm-hmm. where, where the algorithm does more and more of the work. Mm-hmm. My, my thesis here is people matter more. The more that becomes key, the more the people that you have matter. And so the less that you need your sales rep to write the email, right? the more who your sales rep is matters. Now, here's the fascinating thing. The only reps that should be allowed to use AI to write their emails, and and I'm saying this philosophically, I'm not saying this necessarily economically, but so stay with me. The only people that should be allowed to have AI write their emails are people who have mastered writing their e- their own emails. Why do you say that? Well, because increasingly, like, so so here's the danger of of tech driving our um, our world, and especially these large language generative algorithms is it's the epitome of average. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's happening is I'm the person. So my AI algorithm writes the best email. Now, by the way, I have yet to see someone demonstrate that an AI algorithm can actually write a real useful, valuable email. Right. I thought they could write out of office messages, Doug. They can write out of office messages. By the way, by the way, the funny thing is, do you know what the key to getting a good out of office message is with these large language models? What? Writing a really good prompt. I'm not sure which one takes more calories. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But but here's my point. So when when the AI algorithm says, I noticed that you graduated from Shepherd University, go Rams. Yeah. When's the last time you've been to the Bavarian Inn? By the way, our blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, well, guess what? Like, do you, does someone think that fooled me? Oh, look at that. They did. They researched. They know I went to Shepherd and the Bavarian Inn. Is, right. Like what in right. the world? Right. Now, now further. So, so that happens. The email is less human. Right. Right. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and by the way, where, where does the algorithm get the training on that from a whole bunch of other things, you know, like 
the email that has gotten lambasted more than anything else in the world is the alligator email. The alligator, the alligator email, email was the breakup email. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, you know, gotcha. Number one, you're not interested. Number two, number four, you've been attacked by an alligator and you're begging, you know, and you're looking for help or something stupid like that. And, and, and everyone started copying that email. You started seeing it everywhere. Why did you see it everywhere? Cause it worked somewhere. Cause somebody right. in the right context put something stupid out there because it was genuine and human, et cetera. And then, yep. right. So that, that's basically what your, all, all these generative AI algorithms do. And, and, and so what happens is you, you, you see it with PowerPoint decks. I think I told the story. I used to debate in college. I, did, I went to a small school yep. and I had the opportunity to debate against much larger schools. Um, and, and the place that I was able to win was because like I had, I mean, we came in, we had two of those file boxes. If you remember those kind of plastic yep. file boxes, we, we beat the Naval Academy. We beat, um, yeah. Uh, I was going good. I just couldn't keep it for whatever reason. Cause I started to laugh. Um, we, we beat the Naval Academy. We beat Harvard. Yeah. They came in literally with on, on one of these roller things, two, two drawer file cabinets and file boxes on top of it. So they had, so where we had four file boxes, they had four file boxes and four drawers of files. And the thing that I learned about them is in your freshman and sophomore, and even sometimes into your junior year on the debate team, your job was to research. And, and by the way, in their file box, they had these big notebooks that had everything cross-referenced. Yeah. So you could, right. So your job as a freshman, sophomore, and even sometimes into your junior year was you prepared that. Your okay. juniors and seniors, they debated. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had to do my own research. Right. I had, by the way, my file boxes were not filled to complete. I didn't have the patience to do that level of research, but I, I was able to beat them. Not because, I mean, they outsourced the hell out of me. Right. Right. But I outpositioned them and, and I could make the original argument. I could think about what was going on. I knew right. I was, I was close to it. Because you were familiar with, with the material. Right. Because yeah. I, I had to, I was part of it. Right. Right. As, as you know, we talked about this in the automation episode. I, I, I had deep familiarity. I was connected to the data. Yep. Right. So, so what's happening is these messages are going out. We're, we're further and further. We're more and more and more disconnected. And then further, what are we doing? We're sending out more volume because that's what it's enabling us to do. Yep. Right. And, and, and so we're letting the idea of best practice or algorithm mm-hmm. make up for structural weaknesses. Yep. And then we wonder why we're not seeing change. We're wondering why trust is, I mean, think about it for all of this conversation about personalization and, and the mass amount of personalization that exists relative to what existed years ago. Why do we personalize? Personalize is supposed to make connection. It's supposed to make it easier to connect. It's supposed to, Increase trust. I mean, why, why do you say, I see you went to Shepherd University, go Rams. How about the Bavarian Inn? Yeah. Is your, it's to establish connection. Right. 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 Which builds To trust. actually make it look humanistic, though it looks robotic by trying to make it look too, <laughs> too personalized. Right. And, 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 yeah. And, and by the way, why is that? Well, first off, we, we, we violate 
you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce rule one. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my card. Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my card. Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my card. Right. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, it's funny. I was listening. I'm listening to um, a podcast on unrelated to go to market, but it's talking about the role of technology and, and where this actually told the story of in the, I think it was the 1970s or sorry, 1980s. Um, when the Russians implemented a new missile detection system, th- it actually detected Minuteman missiles being fired. And and the general who ended up getting reprimanded for this was like, okay, something doesn't make sense here. Because by policy, they were supposed to escalate. You, they were supposed to fire back first, ask questions later. Right. right. I mean, so we don't, like, I didn't, I had no idea this happened. Like how close we came to... You know, literally war games, the like the embodiment of the movie war games, right? Yeah. And and one of the things that that the general realized was that the system had just gone into service and had been rushed. Mm. And and what it turned out was that the satellite picked up the glare of the sun off the clouds as the sun was rising to oh, be shit. a missile. Right. Sure. Right? Sure. But we're so disconnected. And by the yeah. way, at, you know, at least he got trained to know what would I look for. Right. Now, yeah. I don't have to train a sales rep how to write an email because the yeah. algorithm writes the email. Yeah. So that, that person doesn't even know what to look for. It, it's like when we do a pretty good job of understanding a company's database and a company's data, but we'll never have, you know, the, the empathy and the connection to the data of the client because we're not living in the motions. We don't understand the context. Sure. And, sure. and, and the danger as we become systems, you know, if we become overly systems dependent, then we, you know, we, we lose that connection. So, so actually I'm even changing a little bit of my mode. Cause I start, I came into this conversation saying, if you're going to invest in the best people, you're going to hire the, mm-hmm. the best people. Yeah. Why, why would you not give them, the situation to be successful, but I'm actually saying when you have, when, when you have good systems and structure, people matter more. And actually I have proof of this. Okay. I can't wait to hear the proof. If you look at any high performance, pure performance disciplines, sports, mm-hmm. music. Yeah. You, you, you get to the point where there there's, you're, 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 you're an assist, you're in an incremental systems battle. So, so this coach adds this little flair to it. Player comes up, does really like everyone. They're so good at making adjustments, right? The system is there Yep. that, that if you're not the best of the best, you know, it, it, it's, it's the one hit wonder, right? It's that you come in and you had a great first 50 games and then they realized, ah, the, you know, junk low outside stuff you can't adjust to and you never adjust to it you you disappear so the better the underlying system the more the people matter but if you're playing high school baseball if you're playing high school theater Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not saying people don't matter i'm not saying like hey we're gonna do a high school musical we're gonna do a musical at high school we're gonna bring some we're gonna bring doug in to sing that would not be a good idea at any level right but the reality is there are hundreds of thousands of people 
that you can put there and no one would notice the difference. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to insult people. I'm saying that, especially in this world, uh, you know, where technology is, is so important, you need to have the system and structure so that the people can matter. Yep. If you don't have those things in place, then you're using so much of the energy and attention and bandwidth just to get to just to get to base camp. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like, how many people can get to base camp? Do you know what? I could get to base camp. You know how I can get to base camp? Did you know I can get to Mount Everest base camp? Did you know I can get yes, to I'm, I'm, I'm more of base camp. Well, I'm just making sure that like, there's other base camps. How? <laughs> I could take a helicopter there. But okay, yeah, I guess so. I guess you can take a helicopter to base camp. Yep. <laughs> I can't take a helicopter to the top of Mount Everest. No, you can't. No. I I better be well trained. By the right. way, technically, I don't have to be well trained to get towards the top of Mount Everest. I have to be well. Technically, I don't have to be well trained to get to the top of Mount Everest. I just have to be mm-hmm. well trained if I want to get back down. That accurate. That is accurate. <laughs> Right. So, so do people matter? Yes, they matter, but they don't matter at the expense of your systems, your processes and your structures. And by the way, the opposite is also true. They are both important and, and building a lot. That's what aligning your vectors is all about. Yeah. No, I mean, it, so it, it, it reminds me of where we talk about building the genius into the system. And we talk about this a lot with sales reps in particular, when we're implementing a sales sales process, we want to build that into the system so the reps not having to manage, carry, do all those process pieces where they're having to think about, they're able to focus on the stuff they need to focus on. You just gave me the words to address something that has been bothering me for about five years. Wow. So there is this, I call them neo-entrepreneurs, my version okay. of neo-conservatives. <laughs> That, that that like to make these, like to have these big takes. And they say, the future of tomorrow. And yes, some of them actually say that. The future of tomorrow is everybody is their own business. Okay. By the way, there was a book called Free Agent Nation that kind of espoused right. this decades ago. You, you should put yourself out to bid and everyone's working independently. And, and you know, by the way, movies work this way. Right, everyone's their own entity. They they form together right. for a movie. They, but but you know what movies don't do? They don't scale. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're they're extraordinarily expensive, right? Um, and they're amazingly unpredictable, which is why you've got to raise the type of money you got to raise to do that. And you and if you're going to invest in entertainment, you better invest in a broad set of it because. Yep. Yep. You know, Oh my God, George Clooney can never fail until you decide to invest in that production. That's the only production you invest in, right? Exactly. I mean, outside of the fact that that marketing yourself and 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 being quote unquote contract, there's a social contract underneath. There's all these other things that happen, but that misses what they're missing. What I finally get, what you know, why the gig economy is the biggest. It's the biggest con in history. Mm-hmm. What, what they're missing is, is what an organization actually is and what organizational design actually is. And, and, it, and it's going to be trite because it is one plus one equals three. 
It's the mm-hmm. underlying elements of how things come together and tie together and, and why you can't just get the best quarterback in the league, put them in this game and expect them, right? There, there's an element of, of verbal and nonverbal tribal knowledge. All of these things come together that make the whole greater than the sum of its parts. Yep. And when you take away that connection, when you take away those underlying elements, then you 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 take away organizations. You can't expect the same things to come from that. Um, and that's why humans are a feature in an organizational system, right? The 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 danger. I I don't I don't go to the school of AI is going to kill us yet. Yet. The the thing that will get us there mm-hmm. is when like everyone's trying to build their own version of the Federation. And yes, that's Star Trek, everybody. And and nobody has to work in Star Trek. I mean, they even there was even an episode in the early Star Trek that explains what that is. We got beyond the need for money and Right. I mean it it and some people talk about the I mean the you know, there are there are definitely some some leftist elements into Gene Roddenberry definitely had some leftist elements in his, uh, in his, in his philosophy, but, but the underlying idea was that, that we, you know, through, through war, through this, through that, we came to realize that, you know, technology exists to serve mankind. Mankind Mm -hmm. is the feature, not the bug. Right. Um, Efficiency wasn't the focus. Efficiency is not Mm -hmm. the purpose. As we continue to use this for efficiency, 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 what's happening is, is, you know, do, do the algorithms exist to serve us mm-hmm. or are we beginning to exist to serve the algorithms, right? I don't mean to get overly philosophical, but that's when we, you know, that's where we lose the plot. That's where we get, right. Um, you know, that, that that's where I, um, oh, we kind of going, you know, the three raw, you know, the three laws of um, robots comes in, you know, uh, what is it? I will do no harm to humans, something, something I forget. Oh my God, I'm totally blank. I've got, one third of my science fiction brain seems to be working. And anyway, but you know, how did, how does this connect to, to revenue op to, to revenue operations, to the mindset, et cetera, is so long as we continue to view the human element as the bug, we're in trouble. Yep. And then when, when you understand our job is to build the genius into the system, as I remember what I was going to say, the job of an organization, the job of a system is not how do you hire an A player and have them perform like an A player. Mm-hmm. If, if that exists, anyone can do that. There's no advantage right. in that. The advantage is how do you take somebody that would otherwise be a B player? And you tell me, do you want to compete on 10% of the raw materials in the world or 70% of the raw materials? In the world? Right. Right. Yeah. How do yeah. you take how do you take someone who would otherwise be a B player mm-hmm. and enable them to be an A player and think about all of the things that happen from there? And and by the way, if you have this proverbial A player and you don't have the system to beat them, then you know what will happen to you? You will get your ass kicked. Yeah. I want to be even more direct than that, but I figure that might be taking it a little bit too over the top. IBM built the greatest sales organization in the history of the world and mm-hmm. they beat the crap out of Burroughs and every other yep. company. And they went out and they bought the superstar salespeople. They hired the super salespeople. They had the super technologists. They had all that going for them. 
and IBM mowed them down with a better system, better structure. Yeah. They took, they took people that would have been B players and put them into a system that enabled them to perform like A players. And, yep. and the result of that was they got better results at a lower total cost with greater loyalty. Yep. Yep. On that note, <laughs> um, I got a couple of uh, good little nuggets, takeaways. Um, I I liked kind of the yin and yang of what you said around the to get the best people, you got to have a good system in place and to get the most out of those people as well, you got to have a good system in place. And I totally agree that people get too much credit when things go well and far too much blame when they don't. So, you know, it's, it's really about that balance of process with people, not just one or the other, which tends to be how we think about it sometimes one or the other. So you actually um, helped me characterize what I'm trying to say um, today, even a little bit better. You, you helped me characterize what I'm trying to say here, you know, even a little bit tighter. I want people to matter. I mean, a lot of people mm -hmm. misunderstand when I talk about system and process that I'm de-emphasizing people. I want right. people to matter. Yeah. People matter when you're trying to move from good to great. That's when, mm -hmm. that's when people make the difference. People are not the means to getting to that good, to the platform of good to move to great. The platform to move from good to great is built on systems, structures, processes. And, and, and so that's really where the question is. So if you're going to spend that money on a players to get to good, mm -hmm. that was probably, you know, that's probably one of the changes in the world is mm -hmm. 25 years ago. That, that was okay. You could, you could build a nice profitable business. You could even build some enterprise value into it with that type of approach. Yep. Today, good isn't good enough. And, and so you want people to matter. And so for people to matter, that's why you need strategic revenues. Yep. And I think that wraps us up nicely. There we go. We <laughs> Until next time. My we bad did. tech, my bad tech Monday. And your my dongles. kids being home and my dongles and my and kids. <laughs> and that's a wrap on this episode of the rip off show. I like what Doug had to say in the middle of everything. The better your underlying systems are, the more people are going to matter. Not that they don't matter currently, but that they'll matter more. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to us, leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about people in a RevOps world, email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on Twitter at DemandCreator. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream. <laughs>